Good evening, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach, right here on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. So as I ask you every weekend, are you living the best life possible? And every Saturday evening, I ask, are you living the best life possible on purpose? It's not just a cliche tagline. It's a real life question. And I'm asking because I want you to give yourself an answer. And if the answer is yes, keep listening. I'm here to keep you on track. And if the answer is no, keep listening. I'm here to make you so dissatisfied with that mediocre and toxic lifestyle that you can't help but change. And yeah, I said toxic because I believe that living outside of your purpose means to live a life that is unfulfilled. And when you're unfulfilled, you feel empty. And when you're empty, you waste your time trying to fill that empty space. So yes, wasting time is toxic and this hour will not be wasted. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank yourself for tuning in. So I got a question to start off the show this evening. And that question is, are you slaying your goals? Are you slaying your goals in 2017? Here we are in February. First weekend in the second month of this year. And uh, if you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, then you need to go to slayyourgoals.com. Um, and I say do it right now and download a free copy of my ebook, Slay Your Goals. And I'll tell you, I have no doubt that if you download and read this book, it will change your life. Uh, so you want to make your 2017 your monumental, pivotal, turning point year, then download the book. Read it, follow what it says, period. So tonight, I want to talk about time. And I want to talk about time and our intentions for the time that we have, if we actually have intentions. Um, because <laughs> uh, some of us are moving around on default, on autopilot, and not necessarily being intentional. So I want to talk about time, and I want to talk about how we, we turn our intentions into commitments that actually matter. Now, and when I say intentions into commitments, you know, I, I want to be clear about something right off the top. And that is, if you have an intention, then that's the beginning of actually going somewhere. I intend to go somewhere, right? But one of the things that gets in the way of intentions almost immediately is this notion that circumstance and situation can overcome the intention. And so if you want to actually act and create on intention, 
then you have to be committed. You have to be committed to something that's bigger than the intention. So that's one of the things I'm going to talk about tonight. And I, I say commitment matters or it actually matters in terms of commitment because we keep our commitments. Right. And I'm ter- I'm talking in terms of what commitment actually means. We keep our commitment. So if you're truly committed to something, you keep that committed, that commitment. If you're not committed, you don't keep it, which means you have to question the commitment in the first place. OK. Now. What I want to talk about how the things that are happening in the world push us up against our goals, our intentions and our commitments and why these things outside of us are so effective. OK. And you know, I'm thinking about, uh, <laughs> I mean, just the last week, right? I know that if you're anything like me, it's been quite distracting. And I'll tell you, let me give you an example. So typically when I wake up in the morning, you know, first thing I want to do is I want to get into my affirmations. I want to meditate. I want to, I want to get into my day in a very intentional way, right? Based on my commitments. But now when I look at my phone, I see that our new president, is signing a new executive order, or I see that that particular executive order is having a particular consequence. There's lots of circumstance and situation around all of this, right? And as a result, I feel myself getting pulled in. I think all of us are. And one of the, one of the things I've been asking myself after I started noticing this behavior is, all right, what's my intention here? I mean, am I just really kind of soothing my curiosity? Am I actually staying abreast because I want to know, I want to have the knowledge? You know, what is the intention here? Because once I got clear on the intention, right, then I'm like, okay, I want to stay informed. Well, then I can actually set a time and create an intention around staying informed in a way that it doesn't collide with my commitments. So that's, that's what I want to talk about. And uh, one of the other big things that is happening in the world is the Super Bowl. That's a big deal. I mean, I put a post out five million dollars for 30 seconds. And I've talked about this before on the air. But let, let me tell you something. If you think that's expensive, you might say, man, five million dollars for 30 seconds. It's really not. And I'm, I'm going to go into why it's not later. But they're paying for your time. They're paying for your time because they know you're watching. I believe last year, 114 million people watched the Super Bowl. And so they're paying for your time because they know you're watching. And a lot of us, we don't get how valuable our time is. They do. We don't. And so as a result, we just let time slip by. Um, so the topic tonight, intentions commitments and wasted time. And there's four questions that I want to really dive into over the next hour. And those questions are to what are you truly committed? Like, what are you truly committed to? That's the first one. The second one is, are your resolutions and goals linked to your commitments? And I'm going to talk a little bit about goals tonight. I see I got a couple of questions already about goals and then another question what's your black hole of wasted time like where are you losing time and then last but not least 
how is that black hole eroding your commitments? Because wherever you're wasting time, that is in direct conflict with any commitment you have. All right. Uh, so to get started, let me take a phone call. I got T. You're on the air. How are you? Yeah, can you hear me? I can. I can. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. How about you, bro? I'm well. I'm well. Good. So now let's just start getting into this. Like you were saying about, I was gonna mention that, but first let's get into that thing about the um, NFL Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's only valuable to people who think it's valuable. Really, it's, it's really just entertainment. It ain't worth anything. And he said that five million is going towards taking all that people's energy and then buying that so-called product for whatever. Like say, if I want to buy some chips, they don't get like tenfold off of it just off the fact they got the people's energy. Because that's all that we are. We're energy beings. Mm-hmm. But even dealing with um, what you're saying about uh, about um, the, let's say, waste of time and all that good stuff and just goals. First, first thing, the first order of the day is nationality and status. So when people get around saying, oh, man, you know, say somebody can, they can get a lot of stuff done. You know, they got positive energy and all this stuff. But the thing that's going to drain them is the fact that if they their language could kill them. So say they're, I'm a resident of, you know, say city of fill in the blank or some other corporation. Mm-hmm. All they, all they, all the energy, all they due diligence effort is going to get drained into that corporation. Ah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see what you're saying. That's a good point. And, 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 and thanks so much for the phone call, brother. Great, great point. Can I mention this? Um, uh-huh. Also about black status in the state. When you say you're popular to someone else, whatever you own is theirs. It could be, Hell, it can even be your marriage because their marriage license, they own that. Or even say your children, you know what I'm saying? Even mm-hmm. your land. If you're saying you live in the city of Chicago, city of Chicago is a piece of paper. If you say the city of Chicago's land, that's jurisdiction right there mm-hmm. on the real. So, yeah, that was it, bro. All right, man. Thanks a lot for the, for right, the comment. All right, peace. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A lot of, a lot of different thoughts there. He did say one thing I want to attach to real quick around how working for a corporation can drain you of your ability to meet your own goals. And uh, I would say I agree and I disagree because I believe that it really comes down to our personal convictions. You know, I built my company in corporate America. Was it hard? Yes, extremely hard. I worked more than I ever have in my life. I don't work like that anymore. (laughs) But there was a point in time in order for me to build my company, in order for me to build the things that I have now that allowed me to walk away, I had to do double duty. And I'll tell you, coming out of it, I was exhausted. And so I get what he means by the energy drain that it can be. And so for those of you who are in that type of a situation, you know, what I'm talking about tonight is definitely for you. Because if you have a nine to five and then you have aspirations outside of that nine to five, you have intentions and commitments outside of that nine to five. If you're not focused on that thing, if you're not making that your first thing, it will be very easy for you to abandon it when you begin to feel secure or when you begin to tire of the work that you're putting in. So by all means, Thanks for the comment there. And um, um, so I got a question here on Facebook Live. What are some ways, tips to make the morning drive to work and the drive productive? Uh, so ways to make the morning drive to work productive. And that's from Roberto. 
And so, Roberto, I'll tell you, man, the morning drive can be whatever you make it. You know, so for me, I don't drive as much in the mornings anymore because I get to I have the blessing of getting to wake up and actually going to my office uh, that is in the basement of my home. But when, when I did have to drive back and forth, uh, for me, it was audiobooks. Right. So whatever it was, I couldn't find or I, I couldn't necessarily find the time to read. Then I made sure that I was I was listening to that book. And then the other thing, too, man, just to get yourself in, a, in the right mindset. Remember, you know, your emotional state is important to your ability to create. And so I also had a morning playlist and I, I would play that playlist before I went into the job because it was important for me to walk in with a certain mental in a certain mental and emotional state. Right. And so those are two things that you can do on the morning drive. I got a manual in here. I don't know if his mic is hot or not, but you got any ideas for morning drives? I know you drive back and forth to work. Um, just think listening to audiobooks, listening to something that will keep your mind alert and encourage you wherever you're trying to go in life. Okay. All right. But, uh, all right, cool. So Emmanuel gave you a few here. Emmanuel works for me. And so he, he hears me talking all the time. Obviously, sometimes I forget some of the things I do. So that's what I got for you there, Roberto. All right, man, I got, I got another phone call. Uh, Mike, talking about living the best life possible. Mike, how are you? Well, I'm really good. How are you doing? I'm well, man. Um, a couple things. <laughs> I know your show is basically you're trying to inspire and motivate people. Is that right? For the most part, for the most part, but I, I would say also so, teach. So, okay, and to teach. But if everything is A-OK and you're living your best life, why do you need to, to hype people and encourage them and promote them if they all are successful in their own mind? That right there tells me, and if, here's another thing I was thinking about. People are either lying to themselves or they're blind. If they think that everything in our world, especially the black community, is okay, because it's not. So there's no way you could say you're living your best life per, uh, uh, successfully if you can just look right down the street or look on the news or pick up a newspaper and see all the things that are going on around you. I, this is one of the reasons that I constantly attack the leadership or the lack thereof. When I think of leadership, I'm not thinking mm -hmm. of, oh, well, this guy's got some family members that are successful and he's helping them do this talk show or this guy's family is in politics and they're doing really good. I don't, to me, that is not leadership. Leadership is the entire tribe, the entire community, the entire state, and the entire country. And when you look at What's going on is particularly in Chicago right now, but it's not mm -hmm. the only place where police are shooting down kids. They're not getting educations. They're not getting jobs. They're ending up in prisons. And so I can understand why there's definitely a need <laughs> for this show because if a person is only looking at the negative, it would be pretty easy to get discouraged. But sometimes people... You ever work under pressure? Certain people, when they work under pressure, they seem to get more done. I'm that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, personally, myself, I think I've already reached my goals. I'm going beyond my goals now because I'm looking at how things should be for those around me. And to me, when I think of leadership, I think, you know, 
1964 Civil Rights Act opened up some doors and gave us some opportunity. Have we been able to, as a people or a tribe, been able to benefit from that as much as we should? And I would have to say no. That's why you either lie to yourself or you're blind. Or you don't consider yourself your brother's keeper. You don't care about the other people around you. And that's a whole nother issue. But the reality of the situation is, is that there are many, many, many things for us to do. And if you're just focusing on your own little thing, it's not going to be a part of solving the, prob- the problems that exist. First, you've got to identify it. And also, before, after I hang up, maybe you can repeat your questions because I kind of wrote some of, some of them down. But getting back to the main topic about slaying, uh, you know, uh, how do you look at your leaders? First of all, who do you consider a, a leader on a national basis, and do you think they're mediocre? Let's start there. Okay. You, so you, you asked a number of questions. You want me to start with that question? Because you, you also asked the question around, you know, what is living the best life possible or why, why does that matter? Well, I know that that's something that you can answer about living your best life possible. But I want to address how is it possible for you to live your best life, especially in Chicago, considering all the things that are going on, unless you're either lying to yourself or you're blind or you just don't care about other people. I just don't see those things being in the same universe. Mm -hmm. And so then you say, well, okay, if there's a problem, how do we fix it? Mm -hmm. We come together, are we able to unite, are we able to put some money together, are we able to organize and get those abandoned school buildings and those abandoned churches and turn them into community centers so that the kids have a place to go when they get out of school and they're doing productive things? See, that's what I consider to be leadership. Okay. And I'm not seeing that. So so let me me answer the question. Let me answer the question. So in my opinion, living the best life possible is living a life of purpose. And all of us are I unique. Got of, <laughs> was I that? got plenty of purpose. <laughs> was that? You know, I said I think I have plenty of purpose when you consider. Okay, well, you know, well let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Okay. So it's living a life of purpose. Okay. So everyone is unique. You know, who I am is unique. The What I bring, you know, to you and to the listeners is unique right. from what any other host would bring. Right. Um, what you bring, what you bring as a listener, even in this call and the questions you're asking are unique. Okay. All right. So you have a unique purpose and that unique purpose drives a particular passion inside of you. Right. Right. Um, if you know the purpose, a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't. And if you don't know your purpose, I, I would say you're disconnected from your ability to live the best life possible. In right, but that and, goes back to what right? I said earlier. Exactly. You lie to yourself or you're blind. Okay. So, All right. Or you don't care. Okay, so so living the best life possible is me living daily aligned with my purpose, making decisions that are aligned with my purpose. Right now, one of the things I also fundamentally believe about purpose is that it's not about you. It's about what you what you can do for others. Right. And so so one of the reasons we're in the situation that we're in, Mike, is because people aren't living their purpose. And because they're not living their purpose. Then we see a city that's in shambles. We see uh, a community that has uh, violence everywhere. And, and some of it's systemic. Let me get, be clear. Some of it is systemic. But the reason why some of these systematic wrongs have been so easily passed on to us is because I believe that we are a community of people 
who have lost our way in terms of clearly identifying our purpose, clearly knowing our power, because we are a powerful people. When we are when we are aligned with our power, we do phenomenal, powerful things. But a lot of us, we don't know our purpose. We're not aligned with our power. And so as a result, there's no possibility. And when you live in a world where there's no possibility, you feel empty. And I think that's one of the reasons why we see what we see in terms of leaders. I want to answer that question, too. In terms of nationwide leaders, I believe that there are leaders that are in microcosms, right, have micro tribes that are doing phenomenal work. Okay, Um, they're doing phenomenal work. But when you talk about a nationwide leader, I don't necessarily see that among the black community. And I'm not going to even mention the names of individuals who we refer to as leaders, because if when I think about the definition of leadership and the state of being of being a leader, they don't necessarily, in my opinion, fit the bill. So I hope that answered your question, Mike. All right. I got Michael. Uh, Michael, you want to talk a little bit about energy? Uh, what's going on, brother? Hey. How you doing? All right. I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm well. Good. I'm just, I'm just going to be real brief. Mm-hmm. I think that as I look at what has taken place during my lifetime, I see us taking our energy and using that energy to make other people or attempt to make other people do things. And I think that that is totally backwards in terms of what you do with your energy. Your energy is to make you do something, but we take our energy and we spend it and our most valuable asset time trying to make other people do something, which is why we are on the bottom. And as long so, as we continue so, so to Michael, use our energy give me to make example. other people do something, well, uh, we want to make people give us jobs. We want to make people okay, uh, okay. let us live in their neighborhoods. We want to make people teach our children, people that are incapable of even teaching their own children. Mm-hmm. We want to make them teach our own. And as a result, we see the product that we get from that is that our children can't read, but it doesn't matter because we're going to still make them teach our children. Right, right. Now, I, I agree with you on that. I, I, I love that perspective. In, in your opinion, what's the solution? Do it ourselves just like cats do it, just like dogs do it, like elephants do it. If the purpose was given to them, do you think we were overlooked in that purpose? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, You know, I agree. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I do think that it's going to take some organizing. And again, I'll go back to what I share with Mike. You know, one of one of the things that I believe really causes our community to suffer is the fact that we are disconnected to our purpose, which has us disconnected to our power. I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, this past week I was in Mexico and um, I was by myself. And I was doing some diving down there. And at one point, I remember walking along the beach and I was watching how people reacted to me as a black man. I'm six feet, almost 200 pounds. Okay, and I'm fit. I'm fit. So I'm walking along the beach and I was watching how people were reacting to me. And initially, you know, I was thinking, you know, because, you know, they would bring their children close. Okay, and this is in another country. 
This is outside the United States, but they would bring their children close. They would overlook their look at their belongings, you know, like, oh, where, where's my things? Right. And for a moment, like I, I start to feel a certain kind of way about it. Then I thought to myself, you know, it could be my black skin, but it also could be my power. It also could be my power. And instead of always making it about being black, like for me, for me, because I am present to my power, I understand the impact I can have on another human being. Then what I walked away with is, wow, these people can't be with my power. And I believe that's one of the main fundamental things that really conflicts us because we see that as I'm being discriminated against. Um, I'm, you know, they don't like me. I see it as one, you don't understand me. And because you don't understand me, you fear my power. You fear it my could power. Be, it could be because they understand you very well that they fear you. I, you know, better, I, better than you understand yourself. That that's possible. That's possible. And I, and, and when you say that, I'm I'm guessing that you're talking on a level that's much higher than what I'm talking. I'm talking about people who I know didn't understand it, right? These are simple tourists. When you say when they, they do understand your power, I think you're talking about, and you correct me if I'm wrong, about the people who put some of the systematic things in place that oppress us. That's correct. Okay. All right. So we're on but, the same and, page. And I, think that, and, and I think that even people that don't mm-hmm. work on that level, that they still have that innate fear of you based on them knowing who you are. I'll put it like this, and uh, thanks so much for the phone call. I'll put it like this, Michael. The media, and this is one of the things we're going to talk about today, right? The media does a good job of telling people our story, telling people who we are, what a black man is or what a black man isn't. I mean, as soon as a black man makes a mistake, boom, right? It's in the media. The words that are used are polarizing. Versus the words of, you know, someone else who finds himself in trouble, who happens to be a good kid and we don't want to see him ruin his life. So I I think the media has a lot to do with with the environment in terms of how people react to men or women of color. And I believe that strongly. I don't even just hold that as an opinion. I would say that is a fact. If you don't like it, you can call it an alternative fact. (laughs) But I'm going to say it's a fact, right, since folks have tossed some facts out around I mean, nowadays. But um, the media is teaching people how to relate to us. And it's teaching us how to relate to us. And that's one of the things that, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about doing is bringing back this conversation about inputs, outputs. What year was that when I talked a lot about inputs, outputs? 2014. 2014? Okay. Yeah, so I, it's been a while. It's been about three years. It might be time to bring that back and really talk about the impact that inputs have on us in terms of what we then put out to ourselves, right? Because, again, if the media is pushing, you know, a hate or strife in terms of who we are as people of color, what makes you think that you're not going to turn around and have that same feeling for your brother or sister? If that is the tone and the message and the input they're providing, we have to be very, very careful what we ingest, period.
All right, I got Milton. Milton, how are you? Hello. Hello. How you doing? All right. All right. Who gives the white Roman Catholic man the right to say who owns the world? Uh, uh, who owns the world? Is that your question? Yes, who gives the white Roman Catholic man the right to designate to designate who uh, what what uh, the black man whoever okay owns the world? Okay, well, I I think you probably should put that in Google. <laughs> who gives them the right? No one. No one. I would say. Have they reserved the right in some places? Yes. Have they used military might and uh, oppression to gain the right? Yes. Um, that would be my answer to that. All right. So, again, the topic tonight, intentions, commitments, and wasted time. Here are the four questions that I'm asking again, okay? To what are you truly committed? To what are you truly committed? The second one. Are your resolutions and goals linked to your commitments? Third, what is your black hole of wasted time? And then last but not least, how is that black hole eroding your commitments? All right. And we all got wasted time. Um, all of us. So let, let me keep on this thing about commitments. And I, I actually did a Monday motivation video um, on Facebook Live, a coach scope on commitment in particular. And so if you if you don't follow me on Facebook, you should uh, definitely on inspirational perspective, the Facebook page. I do a Monday motivation video, Thursday thought video every week. And unless I'm traveling, I'm, you know, this past Thursday, I was traveling that day. So I missed it at noon. So be sure to check those out. But one of the things I talked about in particular was commitment and commitment is an integral ingredient that fuels our ability to push through resistance and consistently persevere. And persistence cannot exist without the presence of deep-rooted commitment. So true commitment facilitates what I would say is a dedication and a devotion in the ideal or consequence of our plans. For example, if we abandon a fitness goal, because we haven't linked working out to a commitment for long-term health of our body and mind, what was missing is the dedication and devotion to the ideal of health for our body and mind. And the consequence of the plan, whatever that plan is, the plan to go to the gym or not, okay? So... I want to ask two questions first as we kind of dive into what commitment is. First, to what are you truly committed? And I'm asking that because I, I believe that you have to find something that you're truly committed to in order to even get into this conversation. So to what are you truly committed? You know, for some of you, it may be your child, right? You may be a parent and you're like, I'm truly committed to rearing and raising my child. That's great. That's a great litmus test in terms of what commitment looks like for you. 
So to what are you truly committed? And then what I want you to do is then take your goal, right? So I use a child, right? Uh, I think that's a really good example of, you know, commitment for parents. If you're not a parent, you may be committed to your job. You may be committed to your education if you're in school. But typically when you have a commitment, right, there is a dedication and a devotion, that is aligned with that commitment. Okay. So now let's look at a goal. And when you, when you look at a goal, if you have a goal and your commitment does not match the things that you know you're committed to. Okay. Again, if you're committed to your children, if you're committed to a job, if you're committed to your education, and then you set a goal and you say, well, I'm going to lose weight. If your commitment doesn't match or feel emotionally on the same level as the commitment you have to those other things, the litmus test, again, remember, we're doing the litmus test. It is very likely that you are not committed to that goal, and so you will fail, period. And, and I think this is, this is very important for us to understand in terms of what commitment actually is. Because commitment is what it actually stands for. A devout, dedicated stand. Right? So, here's another way to think about it. As human beings, we're really, we're really good at sniffing out frauds. Right? So, we have a way of perceiving who's committed to something and who's not. And so... We're really good at fooling ourselves, but we, we can't necessarily fool other people. So another way to test your commitment is to actually ask other people, what am I committed to? They'll tell you. Like, oh, well, you're committed to the video game. You have a devout dedication and emotional experience to playing it. You're committed to that. But I do not see you being committed to the work you said you would do. I don't see you being committed to the goals that you have. And, and I think that's the very first place to start in terms of reaching or getting to any type of goal, period. What are you committed to? Some of us are committed to our faith, our religion. You know, that's a great litmus test for another goal. You know, somebody might say, well, I'm committed to making more money. No, you're not. Not if you don't have the same devout dedication and emotional experience going for that goal that you do for your faith or your religion or for raising your child, etc. Because that's what commitment is. Now, again, what are you really committed to? And then second question I have is, what are you committed to accomplishing in 2017? Emphasis. On the word commitment. What are you committed to accomplishing in 2017? I love to know. Commitment. There's a, there's a quote by Peter Drucker, by the way, who wrote most of his best stuff past the age of 63. Since we're talking about commitment. Cause you know, hey, we, we can turn it on at any point. You know, it's, it's not a matter of age. It's a matter of heart and will. But he said, unless a commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans.
That's by Peter Drucker. So what I'll say to you all this year, let's be committed. You know, decide what you're going to do and commit to it. Devote yourself to it. Dedicate yourself to it and commit to that decision. And I can guarantee on the other side, you will find success. So that's that's what I want to share for commitments in terms of the show tonight, Um, because I want to use the rest of the time to talk a little bit about this phenomenon called the Super Bowl (laughs) that's happening tomorrow. And let me tell you guys, let me start with this. I'm going to make somebody mad probably, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, there was some time ago where I, I really gave myself to football. I mean, I played it and I even I even played fantasy football sports. And then it quickly I quickly began to realize that it encroached on my commitments watching that much football and playing my fantasy sports. And I had to make a decision. And after making a decision, I just don't watch as much football or sports, period, that I used to watch because I know where I want to go. And spending a lot of time watching sports is not going to get me there. And and this is not for people who actually take on sports as work or as part of their purpose. Okay. But speaking of time and wasted time and the value of time, you know, tomorrow is Super Bowl Sunday in America. And, you know, this football game is one of the most popular sporting events of the year. I think it ranks number two or three in terms of sporting events in the in the in the world. Okay. And so as a result, family and friends across the globe, as I said, I was in Mexico last week and I, I was talking to a guy from Europe and he was like, yeah, I'll be home, but I'll be watching it at midnight. I'm a, a, another gentleman where he is. It'd be three o'clock in the morning and he's going to wake up and watch this game. So, I mean, this is serious. And people, again, we talked about commitment a second ago and people are committed to this. It's not putting any money in their pocket, but they're committed to it. And um, it's interesting because there's a trend here. I mean, because for centuries we've been watching gladiators, you know, battle on grass and dirt for championships that give a victor the right to be called a champion or a titan. You know, so uh, that's what's happening here. And I'll tell you, 2017, not a lot's changed, right? The human race has been drawn to strength, stamina, and carnage in arenas for over 3,000 years. I mean, this is, this is how it goes. What has changed, however, are the economics surrounding these type of affairs. Now, let's be true. The economics surrounding these affairs, 3,000 years ago, there was money in it. All right? That's why they had it. And even now, there's money in it. There's a lot of money in it. And one of the best ways to quantify the value of sending a message to a mass audience that's willing to pay attention to a game is what big companies are willing to pay for just 30 seconds of our time on Super Bowl Sunday. And it hit an all-time record this year. Check this out. In 2013, CBS got as much as $4 million for 30 seconds. In 2017, Fox is getting five, five million dollars for every 30 second advertising spot. 
And here's the thing. It may seem like a lot of money. I said that early, but it's not. Because if 114 million people are watching, they're tuning in, then you start to do the math, and now it's breaking down to that 30 seconds is only worth cents in terms of me watching or you watching, right? Only a few cents. And here's the thing. Most of us don't remember the outcome of these games. Like right now, I couldn't remember who played last year. I had to think hard about it. I'm like, I know the Broncos won, but who did they play? Oh, they played Carolina. That's right. Cam Newton was the MVP, but he didn't really do anything. That's right. I remember. They were all over him, right? Uh, somebody on Periscope said, I call it the Super Bowl, the Roman Circus. Yeah? <laughs> That's a good one. United States is very much like Rome. But here's what we do remember. We remember those commercials. Those commercials They do a good job of striking a very emotional component for us as they sell to us. Okay. Now, I went back to 2012. And in 2012, one of the big commercials was by Clint Eastwood when it was a two minute commercial and it was super emotional. I think it was uh, an election year, right? And. You know, he said, it's halftime, America. And our second half is about to begin. Like real deep voice. And you couldn't help but feel it, right? An emotional experience. To this day, I remember that commercial. (laughs) And Chrysler hoped we would. That's why they paid for a two-minute spot when it was $4 or a little less. So they're making a hefty investment in your time. And I'm being facetious because that commercial... I believe cost about 30 cents per person or so, 30 cents a person. Chevy did one. It was a 60-second spot, about 15, second, 15 cents a person. So this is what they think of your time. And the reason I'm saying this is because I, I want to make a point that we all should really think about. Large organizations have quantified the value of your attention and your time and your loyalty. They understand it. Do you? Do you understand the value of your own attention, your time, your own loyalty to the plans, to the goals that you have? I mean, what is your time worth? I mean, they work diligently to continually examine how to get more of your attention, more of your time that we so freely give away. And we just give it away. So what is your time worth? And do you really understand how much it's worth? Like, do you really get this? Because time, I mean, we don't get this time back. So if you have goals, if you have dreams, if you have places that you want to go, you don't get the time back. I'm not telling you not to watch Super Bowl. I'm going to watch it, right? That's my intention. But I didn't watch I didn't watch football every Sunday. I skipped a lot of Sundays because I was doing my thing, right? Super Bowl, I'm going to make it social. Have some friends over. But I have the feeling that once you really know how much your time is worth, it'll be much harder for you to start giving it to reality television and any other show that you're faithfully following. Because your time 
is the most valuable asset that you have. Here's and here's something else to consider. If you dream of driving a Mercedes Benz or a BMW or an Audi, like that's your dream. That's something that you want. At the very least, you shouldn't be watching any television that doesn't advertise that vehicle. If that's what I want, then I should be paying attention to the commercials to say, are they advertising to me things that I want? Because if they're not advertising those things that I want, then that means that this programming is beneath me. Period. I don't need general insurance. That's not my situation. This programming is beneath me. Period. Right? Mercedes-Benz is very clear. BMW, Audi, they're very clear on who can afford to drive their vehicles. And they're also very clear on what type of television these people watch. Again, a place for you to look. So that show you watch with those low-budget homemade commercials, uh uh-huh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. That little guilty pleasure that steals hours of your time every day. Maybe just stealing your dreams too. If you knew how much your time was worth to the big corporate machine, I hope you you might use your time differently on yourself in the future. So this Sunday, big business is investing in your time and your attention. And I say follow the lead, put more value on your time and more value on yourself. Because I guarantee you, you'll get a great return on that investment. All right. This is Linnell Harris. You've been listening to Inspirational Perspective. Have a great Super Bowl Sunday. Remember my words and make sure you value your time, watch your time and keep your commitments.